Hello, I'm Robert Bateman and this is the Privacy Corner where I talk you through my top three picks for privacy stories each week. Thank you as always to Privado AI for sponsoring these videos. So this week the UK has introduced 124 pages to, of amendments to its uh, data protection reforms. Uh, I read those and hopefully after you watch this you won't have to in too much detail. And the California Privacy Protection Agency has written some draft regulations about automated decision-making and AI. Very important stuff. Introduces some kind of GDPR Article 22 type concepts into the US for what I think is the first time. And Meta, which switched over to a consent or pay model recently, has been hit by a data protection complaint from NOIB and a consumer protection complaint from the BEUC. So I'll talk you through both of those. Now, the UK has been in the process of reforming the GDPR and also its e-privacy law for some time. In March, we got a new version of the Data Protection and Digital Information Bill, the DPDIB. I'll be calling that the original version. In fact, it's the second version, but don't worry about that. So last Thursday, we got a huge number of amendments, hundreds of amendments, 124 pages of amendments to the DPDIB. And there's been some concern over them. Some people are saying they, they go a lot further than the original bill. That's true in places. There, there are some worrying bits in there, but uh, for the most part, they are fairly cosmetic and technical. I'll talk you through some of the most important ones in my view. So first of all, we have uh, a new legal basis, which allows controllers to provide information under a UK-US data access treaty. I don't know how keen the EU will be on that when it comes to reviewing the UK's adequacy decision uh, in 2025, but nonetheless, there it is. We have a new rule, well, actually an old rule that exists in case law, common law, but is now on the face of the law, according to this amendment, Controllers only have to conduct a reasonable and proportionate search for personal data if they get a subject access request. So that restricts the right of access a little bit further, arguably. But as I say, that's kind of already the law in England and Wales, at least. Um, and finally, uh, well, not finally, but thirdly, the Information Commissioner can now deliver enforcement notices via email. Uh, that was not the case before, but there we have it. Britain joins the 20th century. Uh, so this is an important part. Under the original bill, the Secretary of State, the government, could force the ICO to change parts of its codes of practice. So like the Children's Code, for example, uh, which has been very influential uh, uh, around the world. Um, you see I'm gritting my teeth slightly there, but nonetheless, the new amendments to this bill would allow the ICO to disregard uh, recommendations from the government about the codes of practice. So there wouldn't be that much uh, forced oversight by the government. The ICO would still have to give its reasons for rejecting recommendations, but this is a slight loosening of the intentions over the ICO's independence, which are, the, in my view, the, 
the biggest concern when it comes to the UK's adequacy status in the EU. So there's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, some of the more worrying parts, there's a monitoring of bank accounts of benefits claimants or welfare recipients in the UK. If you may or may not be receiving one of these benefits and your account looks like you might be, then there's a lot of information that banks can, must provide to the government if uh, if asked to do so uh, by regulation. And there are some op opposition and backbencher, uh, so non-government MPs for the majority party have put forward some some amendments that are quite interesting. David Davis, who's a kind of libertarian type, uh, might be a little bit too grandiose for David Davis, but he suggested that there should be a non-digital alternative method for digital uh, verification services so that we have uh, an alternative for people that don't want to use an electronic uh, identity verification service. Chris Bryant, who's a, a, an MP from, from Wales for Labour, uh, wants to um, allow the government, no, force the government to make rules that would allow organisations to bring mass legal claims on behalf of data subjects, even if there's no specific data subject that wants to represent a claim. Uh, it's, that model is used in, in many European countries. And also would want to restrict the automated decision-making stuff. Automated decision-making gets a real hammering under the DPDIB, and Chris Bryant's amendments would, uh, would change that very slightly. Uh, to cover partially automated decision-making and also expand the scope of Article 9 to include biometric data, even if it's not used for the purposes of identifying an individual. And there's some other stuff uh, about getting the government to review adequacy decisions once per year. I'm not confident those bits will pass because they are from opposition and backbench MPs that the government does not need because it's got a big majority. Uh, but uh, the, the changes are worth... I don't know if they're worth reading, but read, read around them and uh, book onto my training course if you're very interested. Uh, look on my profile for details about that. So next up, California. The California Privacy Protection Agency got some powers under the California Privacy Rights Act. So the C CPPA got new powers under the CPRA to regulate how C CPA-covered businesses do automated decision-making. That's a lot of C's and P's and A's. And now we have ADMT, Automated Decision-Making Technology. So these regulations are in draft. They'll be discussed at the board meeting on the 8th of December. And they introduce some new definitions into California law and some new rules as well. So we have automated decision-making technology. Any system or software or process that processes personal information and uses computation to make decisions or uh, facilitate decision-making uh, including profiling. So actually, I think broader language than we see in the EU around automated decision-making. We've got decisions that produce legal or similarly significant effects. The California Privacy Protection Agency lists those as financial or lending services, housing, insurance, education, enrollment or opportunity, criminal justice, employment or independent contracting opportunities or compensation. Uh, for 
European listeners, compensation means pay. Uh, healthcare services or essential goods and services per se. And we also have a definition of profiling and a definition of publicly accessible space. Those will become relevant as you'll see. So companies covered by the CCPA doing this kind of stuff uh, have will have new rules placed upon them. And the CPPA thinks that those rules should be mostly around notice and providing an opt-out, so not even notice and consent. But this is interesting. I mean, this is a step, big step forward for the US where no such rules currently exist. So the notice takes a form of what they're calling a pre-use notice, and it must contain all of the usual stuff about your rights and so on, and also some of these bits. So the logic in the automated decision-making technology, the intended output of the decision-making technology, how the business plans to use the output to make a decision, and whether its use of automated decision-making technology has been evaluated for validity, reliability, and fairness, and the outcome of any evaluation. Note, they aren't required to conduct that evaluation, only declare whether or not they have conducted it. So very interesting stuff here, quite rigorous. New rules around employees as well, because remember, the CCPA covers employees, it covers business-to-business -business data, and it covers, in some contexts, even students. So um, you need to provide these opt-outs if you're making legally or legal or similarly significant decisions. And if you're profiling your employees, job applicants, contractors or students, which can include things like using keystroke loggers, uh, using facial recognition, uh, tracking people's web browsing or social media activity, and also profiling consumers in publicly accessible spaces. So the, the CPPA feels the need to define or give some examples of publicly accessible spaces. Uh, I think we all know what they what they mean, really. Um, and live streaming and, and, and that sort of activity will be covered by these rules. An optional discussion point for the committee about uh, children as well. So finally, Meta moved over to a consent or pay model, as I'm sure you'll know. So either you pay, I think it's 12 euros 99 for one or 20 euros for two or something like this, or you accept Meta's behavioral ads. So the paid users get an ad-free option of Facebook and the um, non-paying users continue to have their personal data used for advertising purposes. So this week, two organisations announced complaints against Meta. Noib, so that's Max Schrems's lot under the GDPR, and the BEUC, which is a consumer group, um, a, a person I know called uh, Finn uh, Mustad is, uh, is running part of that. It's, a, it's an umbrella group for lots of different consumer groups. So one Data protection complaint, one consumer protection complaint. So let's look at Noib's first. Noib is riding two horses in a way here because they can either say, well, they, they can say that the price is too high or they can say that it doesn't matter what the price is, this is illegal anyway. And they're kind of doing both here. So the complainant they're representing or assisting is uh, on unemployment benefits and doesn't have very much money and would not be able to afford the 
the, the paid option. So they have to, in, in Neub's view, continue to be tracked despite not really wanting that. And they seem to, they've dug up some figures from Der Standard, which is an Austrian news website, where uh, around 99.3 to 99.9% of people apparently consented to cookies rather than paying a fee. They make other arguments, some very strong language about North Korea and, and, and so on. They basically are alleging that the paid option is an alibi, as they put it. Might be a slight mistranslation there, but uh, suggesting that Meta doesn't really want people to pay. They want people to continue consenting, and this isn't real consent, and so on. The BEUC makes similar arguments. Both organisations speak to Meta's market, alleged market dominance, and they both argue that their new model is illegal. Uh, BEUC, I'm not sure if this is the full complaint, but it's much briefer. Um, they don't like the fact that Meta does not provide the service until you make a choice. And so there's a false feeling of urgency there. And that also they will continue using personal data even if you pay, not for advertising, but for other things, uh, which I think is probably true. Um, but perhaps things that people well we don't know whether people would object to that or not but the idea is that they are suggesting it's not as private as meta makes out so uh that's all from me this week much more detail in the newsletter really worked a lot on this one this week uh, it took a very long time so please do read it and subscribe and i'll see you next week